Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded Tuesday, August 11th, 2015. This is Paul Koska, owner of Brick and Brack Games, and I am your host for tonight's episode of the Game of Crowdfunding. A quick shout out to Danica, who supports all us geeks over on Patreon. Thanks so much, Danica. You're a rock star. If you'd like a shout out too, make sure to check out the Patreon page. There should be a link in the show notes. And now, on to the interview. And who is joining me this evening on Google Hangouts? Well, Paul, I am Michael, uh, also known as Professor Fluff. I am one of the co-hosts of the RPG Academy podcast. And I am Caleb, everyone's favorite co-host of the RPG Academy podcast. And some people have taken to calling me Professor Crunch. So where the hell do those nicknames come from? All right. Well, from from my side, um, Caleb and I have an interesting dichotomy on the podcast. I am more concerned with story, uh, not so much the rules. I just want to make sure everybody's having a good time. And uh, mostly it's because I don't know the rules very well, even though I've been playing for a long time. So I am Professor Fluff because I'm more about the story. And I will let Caleb answer his side. And uh, as a... Gamer, my history, my background comes from the very rules-heavy and crunch-heavy Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 edition. That's where I earned my gaming chops. So I have always been the player who gravitates towards the math and the numbers and the crunchy side of the rules. Um, Plus, on top of that... uh, At some point in the history of our show, I coined the phrase that the RPG Academy is the trail mix of gaming advice uh, because of all the little bits and pieces you can find mixed about in it. So I think Crunch and Fluff fits uh, the trail mix concept quite well. Works for me. Works for me. I'm definitely much more of in this uh, this realm, the Fluff side. Um, I don't know the rules So I just assume that the players know the rules and we move on from there. Now, for both of you, uh, we begin with the the patented Jeff King warm-up questions. Uh, When you're not knee-deep in the world of games, what do you do for a living? All right. uh, I actually very recently changed jobs um, for the first 15 or so years of my life. But professionally, I was an investigator for various retail stores, uh, which involved uh, actually catching shoplifters and like chasing people down and tackling them. Uh, But mostly I was on the other side, which was internal investigations. And uh, I'm older now. I don't like running. I'm fat. I have kids. I don't want to get stabbed. So I have uh, actually just very recently taken a job with a bank as a bank investigator now. That seems more dangerous because I feel like shoplifters, you know, they might have a knife. But if you're robbing a bank, you definitely have a gun. Well, I'm in a non-customer facing area. So I'm just in an office building somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not very very exciting, uh, but it is, it's, it's fun in a way. And, uh, it's uh, it's interesting and probably get you know the minutia is too boring, but uh, basically the official title I have is an anti money laundering terrorist financing investigator. Solid. <laughs> that's I, I feel like that's beyond the pay grade of this uh, of this podcast here, but I'm very interested. I, well, I get the cool title, but that's it. Everything else is like not that exciting. Don't don't tell people that. Tell people <laughs> like, you're, tell people you're FBI. That's right. Do it. Yeah, I catch terrorists. That's, that's right. What I do yeah. 
Um, and Caleb, what do you do? Uh, I am a very uh, humble and lowly bank manager. Although I have nothing to do with the bank where Michael works. It is just one of those coincidences where we are both in the banking industry. I was going to say, you're not a money laundering terrorist bank manager, are you? Uh, I am neither uh, confirming nor denying that statement. Bust him. Bust him right now. I'm on it. I'm on it. And prior to that, as as he gathers information, um, for one of you at a time, uh, what makes you – I mean this is somewhat obvious, but what makes you a geek? This is all us geeks, so we have to ask the question. Oh, geez. Uh, where do I start? Uh, the fact that I run a website and podcast for role-playing games. Uh, there you go. It's basically a part-time job that I pay to have the privilege of doing. Um, yeah, but on the upside, I get to play a lot of games now. I actually play more games now that I have the podcast because I can kind of justify it and be like, oh, but babe, I, I got to have content. I got I to gotta play tonight. So, uh, yeah, but I am all about the role-playing games. And Caleb, what... Uh what makes you a geek? Is there anything beyond role-playing games? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that I bring the uh, media geek quality to the team here. Uh, I am uh, very into a lot of different movies and television shows, uh, trivia about that all, all about all that kind of stuff, digging into the weird, odd facts and figures, um, I'm a very big literary geek, so I have a pretty big personal library. I have a ton of weird genre niche books that I dig into and just enjoy leaving this humdrum world behind for the life on the page. Yeah, I'd say that qualifies. And um, so first for, for Michael and then for Caleb – do you have any geek level passions for anything that most people would not consider geeky? You know, not just, you know, not the obvious stuff. Is there anything that you are so fascinated with that you raise it to the level of geek? Oh, I don't know that I'm prepared for that question. I want to defer to Caleb. Give a, give myself it's in a, depth. Few, I know. a few seconds to think about that. Uh, well, I'm not going to give you too much time because I've got a great answer. Uh, I am a crazy obsessed with collecting old school propaganda posters and movies. And I've got to say, I'm failing my geek vibe here because I've got like one thing, but that's because I'm broke. And I, <laughs> I blame Michael for being broke because I got to keep buying these books and equipment for this darn podcast. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I love the old, uh, really kind of paranoid 30s, 40s, and 50s era. Uh, I love the posters and the TV, uh, well, any kind of video or film that was made around that time about uh, protecting the youth of America from the horrors of the world. I think that stuff is just hilarious and fascinating. So one of these days when I'm filthy rich and can throw money away on worthless things, I will have a collection of old school propaganda films and posters. What's the the one thing that you have? Is it that 
that Donald Duck movie where he's a, a Nazi? Because that's the one that I <laughs> I don't have that one, Paul. Uh, no, I have um, – I've got Reefer Madness. Oh, that's a good one. That's yeah. Uh, mostly because I also have the Reefer Madness musical. Mm-hmm. And I love that to death. And so I had to track down the actual propaganda film it was based on. And it is so goofy and off the wall. I, I can't help but love it. That's awesome. All right. Michael, you've had some time to think. I, I don't have a great answer. I, I have a very obsessive personality. And uh, usually when I get into something, I get into it all the way. And so like right now, that's pretty much role-playing games and uh, you know my podcast – uh, previous to that, I was really big into poker. Uh, right when um, Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker and it became like a, a spectator sport, I went all in on poker. I bought and built multiple poker tables. I had a poker league in my house. I still have posters that I made with the blind counts and what the chips meant. I bought personalized chips. Uh, so, yeah, so that was my previous geekery was I was all into poker. I, you know, I, I followed all the big names and uh, the Phil Hellmuse of the world. And, you know, it's like like a reality show type thing. And then I also do uh, movies is probably my second biggest geekery right now. Uh, I was doing a second podcast for a while with one of my childhood best friends. It's kind of pod faded at the moment, but uh, I'm a big movie buff as well. You know, with poker, Moneymaker was just the worst to win because it, it was like if this – schlubby guy can win literally anyone can win right it was just enough to make everyone think that they could do it uh they can't uh and that's how these other guys made so much money off of suckers like myself who's like oh i could do that no right because when when phil ivy wins you're like oh yeah that guy looks like like a professional and you know he could definitely kill me but moneymaker he looks like a guy that just got off of his couch and tripped and fell into a casino and then won the World Series of Poker. Yeah. So more, it was unfair. More power to him, though. I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name right now. Um, they call him Kid Poker. Daniel. Oh, I know you're talking about. Yeah, I can't remember his name. I, I want to say Hellmuth, but it's not. If it's Daniel something. He was always my favorite. And I remember I was watching an episode of a, one of those multiple poker shows that was on at the time where – he was right, like every time. Like he he knew what his opponent had every time, and he still lost like two hundred thousand dollars that night. And I just, I was like, I no, I just, I one, I don't have his skill, and two, I couldn't do that. Like, there's no way that I could be right, know exactly what my opponent has, and still lose two hundred thousand dollars. Like, so I kind of faded away from the poker thing, and plus, I I had kids now. Uh, once that that kind of broke the poker league up, so yeah. Yeah, there's always when, when you when you see that really great poker game, you're like, I bet I could raise ten thousand dollars and get there, and then you just can't. You can't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen. No, no. But again, like Caleb, if I ever get just filthy, stupid rich, you know, when this when this podcasting thing takes off um, as it's supposed to do, uh, oh yeah, I, I might go to the World Series of Poker just to throw away ten thousand dollars. Hey, uh, if you want to throw away ten thousand dollars, I've I've got a couple things I could use that for. <laughs> But if I win, it could be millions. Uh, You're not going to win. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, all right. So what drives you to do what you do? Why the podcast? Why, you know, why that? 
for your output, your expression? Um, just because that's what's been going, I'll go first. Uh, for me, uh, I I like many long-term DMs. I'm a wannabe novelist. Uh, you know, I have a, a, a file folder on my computer full of started and scrapped stories. Uh, I have a novel that I've actually been working on for years and years and years. And uh, I've always... I've always loved to read and write I've, since a young age. I've, I've done that. And uh, the podcast itself, when it started, there was a, there's a different history quickly. Uh, I started it with another friend of mine. Uh, he wanted to start to try to become a dungeon master with D and D never really done that before. And he asked me to help him. And in preparation for becoming a DM, he started listening to other podcasts and kind of trying to get advice. And then it was his idea to start the podcast and chronicle his journey of, you know, him preparing to run his first game, him actually running his first games. And that's really what the podcast started out to be was let's basically follow this guy's journey in becoming a dungeon master. I'm, I was the older guy who uh, was like teaching him. I was the uh, Mr. Miyagi to his Danielson. Uh, You're Burgess came, Meredith to his Rocky. That's right. I, you're going to shut lightning or whatever. Um, that, that was awful. Just cut that out. <laughs> so anyway, it's so, in, it's yeah, staying. So, please, so we, uh, please cut out any voices or impressions that Michael does. <laughs> please. I beg you. They yeah. are 100% staying. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I do. I do a great Jamaican accent. Oh, right I will later. drive down to your house and punch you in the mouth. <laughs> so we started the podcast to, to kind of do that. Um, and then I really, we started doing the actual plays and that's really when I think I, really got into it because as much as I do enjoy the table topics and that's our episodes where we talk about rules or we talk about advice, that kind of thing. I just really enjoy the the actual play. And I think that's the storyteller in me getting an avenue that I never found in my writing because writing's harder. You actually have to write and then edit and then edit and then write this. I can just make something up and then it can be out. And, you know, it's not always the greatest thing in the world, but it's funny. People seem to enjoy it. They comment on it. And there's sort of an instant gratification with, I wrote this thing, I performed this thing, and now it's out in the world and people enjoy it. So that's what continues to drive me more than anything, I think. Are there other, just because of my own ignorance, are there other podcasts that do the full playthroughs like that? Uh, yeah, there is a plethora of of podcasts that uh, we're, I don't want to say we're unique. I do listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, I'm sure there's still dozens, if not hundreds that I haven't listened to yet. But I think we're one of the few that do everything because we don't just focus on actual plays. We don't just focus on giving advice. We, we do both. We don't just focus on interviews with uh, industry insiders and designers. We do that as well. So I think we're kind of unique in that we are not specialized. We're very generalized. We do a little bit of everything. Uh, but yeah, there are lots and lots and lots of podcasts that do the actual plays. Uh, some don't edit at all. So you'll just literally, it's a microphone in the middle of the table. You hear what you hear. There are others that edit uh, extensively to the point that it almost sounds more like a radio play than it does an actual play podcast. Uh, again, we're kind of in the middle. We do edit our show uh, for content and for clarity, but we don't edit it uh, to the point that it no longer sounds like a game. So Caleb, what brought you in? What, uh, how did you get involved and, and become as, as you self-proclaim uh, the, the favorite co-host? Ah, oh, man, there's so many ways I could answer that question. But the truth 
Paul, is sheer luck and absolute stupidity. Uh, I lucked into meeting Michael and uh, the RPG Academy on Twitter. He was a friend of a friend, and I happened to click into the conversation. Uh, I was struck by some random thought and emailed this random fella and said, hey, you're a GM. I'm a GM. I like writing articles. I like writing content for websites. I'm a bit of a freelance author and writer. Uh, how would you feel if I wrote a couple articles for you and maybe provided some uh, website content? Michael made the maybe bad choice, I don't know, time will tell, to let me write a couple articles for him. Uh, so I ended up hitching my wagon to the academy. And then when some life events happened and Michael needed a new co-host, he sent a little email over to me and said, hey, buddy, how would you feel about being a co-host? And some lapse of judgment, lack of foresight, sheer excitement at getting to do something that I thought was really cool, uh, goaded me to say yes. And uh, so now here I am. Now I am uh, burning the midnight oil, working uh, essentially another job that I have to pay to work and doing all kinds of writing and recording and editing. And you know what? It's a hell of a good time. Uh, I love gaming. I love talking and writing and discussing and debating all the different fiddly bits and game theory I love sharing uh, the passion about gaming and just talking with people about it. So for better or worse, I have uh, jumped into the deep end of the podcasting and internet world. And, uh, and here we are. Now we're taking even crazier steps to move forward and biting off way more than we can chew. But I think we're somehow managing to swallow it down. Nice. Well put. Now, for those listening, um, obviously we have left the boards in gaming behind a bit tonight, and uh, and we're going to do so even more now, because um, I want to talk at least a little bit about role-playing games. That's that's what you guys are into, and, and funny enough, um, uh, I am in the middle of my very first, perhaps last, we'll see, but very first Dungeons & Dragons campaign. We'd never done it before, and all of a sudden, we're doing it now, and uh, all of us are, are learning pretty much on the way. Um, so I wanted to ask you both, uh, where and, and when did you get started in the world of role-playing games? Like, what was your in? Uh, well, for me, Paul, it was, gosh, about 28 years ago at this point. Um, I can still remember, I was around... 12. I don't know exactly how old I was, but I was in, in the 12-year-old range. And it was my best friend at the time, who is still my best friend today. And uh, he wanted to buy the Red Box. He had heard about the game. Uh, he and I went to a, a local bookstore in like the next town over. I'm from, I'm from very rural Kentucky. If the accent hasn't given it away, I am from the no. South. And uh, so he and I, we, you know, we're 12 years old. We're at this bookstore. It's called Bookland in Corbin, Kentucky. And he's like, hey, I want to buy 
Dungeons and Dragons, but I don't have enough money. Will you, you know, go in halvesies with me? I had never heard of it. I didn't know what it was. He basically pointed at the box. He goes, that's what I want. I'm like, sure, I don't care. I mean, you know, this again is my best friend. He wanted to do this. Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll go in halvesies with you. Uh, so we're in the back of his mom's car heading back to where we're our, our hometown and he opens up the box and we're kind of going through it and he just literally hands me the the GM booklet and he takes the player's booklet and we just start reading them in the back of the car and I've been DMing GMing ever since. Man, that's like stand by me. That was really picturesque. I love that movie, by the way. <laughs> um, Caleb, what what got you and what was your in? Man, my story is not that good. Uh, that was good. I, it, it was a very good story. I hate having to follow that. Um, I knew what D&D and gaming was as a kid. I was never uh, part of it, though. I didn't really have a lot of people to, to play the game with or fool around with uh, as a kid. I was actually an only child, and I was homeschooled, so I didn't even have a lot of people to tempt me with, uh, the, the wiles of gaming. Uh, I got into gaming in my early twenties when I was in college and it pains me a little bit to say this, but it was an act of youthful rebellion against, uh, some of the rules and regulations I grew up with about not playing such games that were quite obviously the, uh, the, the machinations of the evil powers that are tempting the minds of the youth of the America. The and devil's work. You could say that. Yeah. Um, and then I got to college and I said, I'm going to go crazy in college. And I sat down and played Dungeons and Dragons in my friend's basement. That is awesome. Yeah. That is, I'm going to go crazy. And <laughs> instead of binge drinking or having lots of sex, you're just, I'm going to go crazy and play Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Mountain yeah, Dew, Cheetos, and staying up till 4 a.m., rolling dice and playing pretend. That was, that was where my wild and crazy days of youthful hedonism. So in your wild oats right there. Your pretend wild oats, as it were. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had to have some ranks in farming. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are, perhaps besides Dungeons & Dragons, do you have other favorite role-playing games? For people at home who maybe, you know, they're not really into role-playing, what what are some other options maybe for them? Uh, Caleb, go ahead and take this one first because I know your answer will be different than mine. I don't know, man. I think our answer is going to be a lot more similar than uh, than people come to believe at this point in our dynamic. Um, there are so many different role-playing games out there. I, I don't want to say an infinite amount, uh, but there are enough that it seems that way. And with the uh, current environment we are in of crowdfunding and sharing ideas and information on the internet... Anybody who has a game idea can throw it out there and get feedback and get players interested. Um, personally, there are a ton of games on my shelf that I love. Uh, I have recently become a huge fan of the Numenera system. Uh, I am a very big fan of Savage Worlds, which is uh, more of a mechanic that can fit a lot of different genres of games. Um, 
I will mention Pathfinder because it is the spiritual successor to Dungeons and Dragons 3.5, the rule system that I love the most and grew up playing when I became a gamer. So I will always default to wanting to play Pathfinder. Uh, I'm a real big fan of Shadowrun and any of those uh, cyberpunk sci-fi kind of games. But more recently, believe it or not, possibly betraying my show namesake as the Crunchmaster, I have really been enjoying a lot more of the rules-light, role-playing-heavy games. I have been getting into things like Everyone is John and All Out of Bubblegum, Dread, all these really weird, off-the-cuff, one-page role-playing games. I've been exploring a lot of those recently, and uh, I've had some creative juices flowing about how to create some new ones. Uh, But ultimately, if anyone asks me what my all-time favorite, always going to play beyond any other role-playing game, my immediate answer is Call of Cthulhu. And what draws you specifically to, I mean, perhaps you're indoctrinated, but what is it that calls you to the call? <laughs> um, well, I'm going to go back to one of the answers I gave you earlier, Paul. I, I did mention that I was uh, a pretty heavy literary geek. So I've read a lot of Lovecraft's work. I absolutely love anything written by H.P. Lovecraft, all of his different mythos and stories and insane ramblings. So that itself brings me to the game because I love anything that lets me interact with those stories, that world, those themes. Um, I think what I like most about playing Call of Cthulhu, whatever rules I choose to play that style of game with, is the absolute magnitude of how overwhelmed the players and their characters are in other games in fantasy genre games and cyberpunk games most of the time the players are heroes even if they are villainous they are competent they are able to survive and overcome opposition in call of cthulhu the main characters the protagonists are most likely going to die within the first encounter of whatever otherworldly weirdness is around them. And from a storyteller, I just love that dynamic of, hey, there's a bunch out there in the world that you can't even comprehend, let alone deal with or have any chance at overcoming. So I love a game where you can just encounter something that you say, yep, that's a thing. It's going to kill me. I'm going to go over here now. Just just the utter hopelessness is is so entertaining to me. That's harsh. That's really harsh. Yeah. Um, Michael, what uh, you've been thinking about it a while. I've been able to ruminate. What do you got? Well, I, uh, I've said before, I'm kind of a product of my environment when it comes to role-playing games. And even though I've been playing them for years and years and years, 
it, I was always in a very sort of seclusive group. Um, you know, I started playing in the eighties. There was a lot of, you know, kind of thing that Caleb was hinting at that, you know, uh, some religious issues, people thought that it was evil or that it would corrupt your mind. Uh, it was also just looked down upon like, you know, we're kind of in an age now where geekery is sort of, uh, exalted and, you know, lifted up where I grew up when, if you told people you read comic books, watch cartoons or played role-playing games, you know, you'd get stuffed into a locker so I kind of kept the fact that I played role-playing games hidden for a very, very long time. And it was my, my group of friends, we all played, but it was always just us. And it was always just at my house. Uh, and I, I never was really part of the bigger community of role-playing games until I started the podcast. So I pretty much always played Dungeons & Dragons. I've played every edition other than OD&D, the original one. I started with the Red Box, Basic Edition, uh, pretty quickly went to... First edition, advanced, or first edition, or advanced, for, then second edition. Unauthored Canon was in there somewhere. Uh, obviously, then third edition, 3.5, fourth edition for a while, and now fifth edition. So I have pretty much only ever really played those games, but I would experiment with them. So if I wanted to play a superhero RPG, I would just make D&D into a superhero game. If I wanted to play more of a Call of Cthulhu, like a you know dark horror game, i just use D&D to do that. Um so to this day, if you say what role playing game do you want to play, I'll say D and D. No matter what, what you know, whatever you want to do, I I will make it work. Which is kind of where I think the fact that I don't really worry about the rules, I've I've, I've messed with them for so long that they're kind of meaningless to me. There is no actual rule; there's just guidelines. Uh, with that though, I do also really enjoy superhero RPGs. Like if, if I were to pick a second favorite genre, superhero would be it again because I'm also into comic books. And um, we just very recently started playing a new superhero RPG called Cold Steel Wardens. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I really like it a lot. Uh, and then with Caleb, I started kind of getting into these rules light games. I recently uh, at Gen Con this you know a couple weeks ago, I ran Dread, and it was easily the most fun I've had running a game in years. It was an amazing experience. The players really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, so I'm a huge, huge fan of Dread right now. It, other than D&D, that's probably my favorite game right now. Did you guys see that Kickstarter that ran, uh, I want to say, late last year uh, called Ten Candles? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with that. No, no I, I think I, they missed that. That was uh, a very cool concept. It was a, a horror um, RPG, and the basic conceit is that at the beginning of the game, you light ten tea candles, and... When the last one goes out, everyone dies. So hmm. whatever objectives you, you're trying to meet, you have to do it before the last candle goes out. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, I thought it was very, very interesting, very thematic, very moody. And the basic premise is that there is no surviving the game. By the end of the night, all of your characters die every time. So it's just a matter of getting, you know, your objective is something small. It's not something big and world changing. It's just like, you know, get to the other end of town or say goodbye to somebody or something really simple that you can achieve within a couple or a few hours. And then that's it. You're dead. No, I, I missed that. But that sounds very interesting. Yeah, I I thought so. Um, now, and we kind of touched on this. And if you were to speak to somebody right here who's listening who really isn't into RPGs yet. And we've kind of touched on this, but 
why should that person get involved? What, you know, they're a game player, they enjoy games, but haven't really gotten into RPGs. Um, what's the appeal, you think? Well, from the, the DM or GM standpoint, again, I just really enjoy the storytelling aspect. I enjoy creating situations, uh, NPCs, you know, environments that uh, that my players get to get to play in. And that's still probably the ultimately thing that I find most rewarding is when I create a scene in my head and I'm thinking, well, this is probably how that will go. And it does not go that way at all. And the players come up with something so much better than I did or so much more interesting. Or they take something that I created, maybe even like offhandedly. Uh, You know, someone asked about an NPC or they asked about something and I just kind of made something up on the fly. And that becomes important to them and they twist it and it grows out of that seed that I planted uh, into something so much greater. And I just love that sort of organic 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 there's no t in that word organic storytelling uh that that happens at the table i do think it's the it's the most fun that i can have in like a social environment like that i just i enjoy it so much and from the player side uh i like the 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 theater aspect of it uh you know i like trying to do stupid voices i'm terrible at them but i think it's fun i like to try to pretend to be these other people i don't care as much about the math like again going back to being the fluff master whatever i combat to me is the least interesting part of any role-playing game i enjoy i would rather socially engineer my way out of a problem and trick someone using a skill or just straight role play and i just like trying to come up with the most outlandishly creative ways to solve a problem like like the the problem could be super simple you know you just need to open this door and you know you have a barbarian that could kick it down you have a a rogue that could pick the lock you have a a wizard that can cast knock no screw that i'm going to find a way to get this door open that you've never even heard of and i just i really enjoy doing that what about you kayla what what would you say to someone who's you know like me like this time last year had never played a role-playing game, didn't really understand it. What would you say that perhaps Michael didn't? Or did Michael say everything? Oh, no, 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 no. Michael talks, there you go. Michael talks a lot, but he rarely says everything important. I've got two answers for you, Paul. Um, first off, pretty simply, being able uh, to be really creative and really express your imagination is the coolest part about a role-playing game, whether you are a player or a GM. We all grew up playing pretend. We all made up stories and imaginary friends and characters. Uh, We played Legos or or G.I. Joes or Barbies or dinosaurs or what have you. We grew up telling stories and being characters. And, Somewhere during middle school and high school and and growing up, we lost that. Being able to sit down at the role-playing table and have people encourage you to throw your mind back to what it felt like to play pretend and just believe for a few hours that you were a superhero or a, a fantasy warrior or a wizard, it's so relaxing. It's so empowering because it's great escapism. It's a great way to take a break from reality and just do something really cool. 
So I think that's one of the best things you can say to a brand new player or someone who's just thinking about playing. Uh, my second answer is that, in my opinion, playing an RPG, a role-playing game, is the best kind of social storytelling that exists. Uh, in my recent years of gaming, my time with the show, I've shifted my focus a lot more from simply playing a game and following along with the rules to what it really means to involve everyone at the table to share a story and an experience. When I was first running games and learning to run games, I wrote a story. And I made up characters and I made a world and I let my players be part of that world. But it was my story. They were just players. They were actors on the stage. Within the past year, maybe two years at the most, I've, I've really grown a lot and I've learned that the story, the experience, the hours we spend at the table are so much more enjoyable and rewarding if the story is shared and told collectively by every single person sitting down with me, I might be running the game. I might be facilitating the rules. I might be sharing information and facts and figures and ideas. But when every person at the table adds to the story, when one player makes up a character, when another player makes up a town, uh, when another player adds in uh, a volcano or a dragon or some sort of crazy event that's happening, collectively this world starts to form and everyone is sharing, everyone is bringing it to life. So that true experience of socially creating a story and playing with it, experiencing it, making it come to life is one of the most exciting and entertaining things a group of friends can do for a few hours. Well, there you go. There you go. If you're not convinced now, you're never going to be convinced, listeners at home. Um, now, before we move on to the the true topic at hand here, um, just real quick, do you have uh, just at, at hand a really great – moment in an RPG, something that just just came up, came out of the blue, that was really memorable. I would say best, but you know, there's a lot of moments. Um, so what what's something that comes to mind? Well, I'll uh, I'll share two, but I'll try to make them short, which for me is well, it is what it is. It's the rest uh, of the show, guys. <laughs> just pack it on up now. <clears throat> uh, back in college, I uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite moments all time in a game. Uh, I had two, basically two alphas that were playing in the same group. They both were always trying to lead. And uh, the, the story involved time travel. People who know me, that's not surprising. Uh, but essentially the characters got a prisoner who was a, a, a wasn't, wasn't from the land they were supposed to be being supposed to be from. Uh, they got to like a town, uh, the town there wanted to know who this person was, like where they came from. They, the characters couldn't explain it because he was a time traveler, but he was lost. Uh, so they turned him over to these uh, like guards. And in this town, they didn't know it, uh, like magic and wizardry was outlawed. And uh, so the person they turned over was from our current time. And you know it was very kind of cliche, but he had a wallet that had pictures in it. 
So the guards thought he was the wizard and he had captured people's souls. So the guards came back out and were talking to the characters and said, you know, do you, is this man a, a wizard? And at the exact same moment, uh, one of them said yes, and the other said no. So they looked at each other, and then they immediately changed their answer. So the guy who said yes then said no. The guy that said no said yes at the same exact time. So then they both looked back at me, and they're like, we attack him. And it was just a moment that you could not have scripted any better. It couldn't have played any better. And, I mean, we must have had a half an hour. We were just laughing about that moment. And I will always, always remember it uh, just because, th- th- again, the way it played out was perfect. And then the most recent one that I had was it was in the podcast uh, early on, one of our actual plays. As I kind of men- mentioned earlier, I sort of created something that was sort of off the cuff and it became centrally important to the story. And the characters came up with the players came up with a way to use it that I had never intended, but it made so much perfect sense that I couldn't allow them not to do this. And and without going into the details, because it'll take too long, I invented a, a magical portal and a, a key that could work the portal, but it was temporary. And they basically, the story was supposed to be they were going to owe somebody a lot of money and they were going to have to work off all these like little side adventures uh, to uh, to pay them off. And they're like, wait, we have this key thing that you want. How about we just give it to you? And if you guys go back and listen to Made Men, one of the episodes involves the the tower and the key. That's what I'm talking about. I just love the way the characters circumvented my plot line by basically taking what I had created and said, nope, this is how it works now. And I literally was just like, well, yeah, you're right. That's pretty much how that works now. What about you, Caleb? Oh, man. Uh, there are so many cool moments that I could share. Um, there are some great stories as a player when I just had some really cool combat encounters and, and was doing creative things. But my, my favorite story to share is um, my first, Oh, I, I take that back. My, one of my first characters I ever built, actually my third character to be exact. Um, he was a cleric and this was really the first game where I, truly understood the rules and was trying to learn how to role play. Uh, in our first encounter, we fought a bunch of zombies after our ship had crashed on a beach and some of the uh, people from the boat that we had traveled with had died. And as a cleric, I said, Hey, uh, I'm going to bury my fallen comrades and say a small prayer over their tombs. And the GM was said, Oh, the GM said, okay, sure. Go ahead and do that. And without even thinking, I just kind of launched into a bit of a narration where I described my character digging the graves, burying the body, saying prayers over them. And I really role played it out. And when I was done, it only took maybe two or three minutes. The GM just kind of stared at me for a second and he said, you know, I didn't think you were actually going to role play that out. That was really cool. Uh, so not only did I surprise him, but I added something to the story, learned a little bit about who my character was by making up this random bit of happening uh, on a on a spur of the moment kind of impulse. And I also got a little bit of a reward because the GM was so shocked and surprised at what I did that he threw me a, a nice little XP bonus. So 
uh, it's a fun little story of a totally random, unimportant aspect of role playing that paid off in the end. And it was really rewarding for everybody. That's awesome. Now to, to kind of shift gears here, um, for those listening, we're not just chewing the fat and talking shop here about RPGs. Um, these two gentlemen actually have a Kickstarter. This is the game of crowdfunding. They do have a Kickstarter that's running right now, right as we speak. And if you listen pretty soon after it comes out, as you're listening too. So why don't you give me the quick elevator pitch for your Kickstarter campaign? Then that will be Caleb's job because I, I don't do quick work. <laughs> very, very true. So we are running a Kickstarter to launch what we are calling a Catacon. A Catacon is a local gaming convention with an emphasis on role-playing games, but of course an open and welcome attitude towards all types of board and card games. Uh, as opposed to other major uh gaming conventions a catacon is independent it's local it's very very small and it is a weekend dedicated to spending time with friends meeting new players and really sharing the passion for the hobby of gaming now when we say local just so everybody knows right off the bat you know am i gonna go am i not uh local meaning where specifically uh, a catacon is happening at the Houston Woods Lodge, which is located in Oxford, Ohio. That's very close to Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, in the Dayton area. So the, the lower southern part of Ohio. So if you're listening to this and you're in Ohio, just just go, go, go to the con. What are you waiting for? Sign up. Um, but this is, am I correct? This is not the first convention that you guys have put together? Sort of. Uh, I'll take that part. <laughs> uh, so a catacon was born directly out of me going to Gen Con for the first time. As I mentioned earlier, even though I've played role-playing games for a very long time, I've always been very seclusive. Uh, so I'd never gone to a convention before at all it, of any sort. Uh, but with the podcast, it kind of made sense. Like, hey, let's go to this Gen Con. Plus, it's not far from from where I live. It's only a couple-hour drive. So I decided to go to Gen Con for the first time ever three years ago this past Gen Con. And I had, as I like to say, I had a life-changing event. I loved everything about Gen Con so much that I could not wait a year to do that again. Like, it was impossible. There's no way I can wait a year to have that experience again. So on the way home in the car, I'm talking to my buddies. I'm like, let's let's do our own convention. It'll just be us in our basement. But basically, we'll just take a whole weekend and we'll play games for three straight days. We'll do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it'll just be my house and basically my 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 gaming group. And thus, a catacon uh, year one was born. Uh, at the time, the podcast was actually called the D and D Academy. We changed our name a couple years ago as we started branching out into different games. And when we actually started gathering an audience, I thought it was best to try to make sure we didn't, you know, copyright infringement or whatever. We just want to be careful, so we changed it. Um, so the second year that we had a Catacon, we were now the RPG Academy. So we had a Catacon Year One Deja Vu because it was, it was essentially Year Two, but we were calling it Year One because we had changed our name. 
And the same thing, it was about six months after Gen Con. It was just uh, friends in the basement, except by that time, our podcast had started to grow. We had a, a larger audience and we actually had people that traveled out of state to hang out with us. So it was still pretty much by invite only, but we had extended that invite to some of our most loyal podcast listeners, people who had interacted with us quite frequently on Twitter. And I think at the most, we had about 30 people at one time, which pretty much was about as big as my basement would hold. And we knew if we were going to do it again, if it was going to be bigger, we would have to move outside. And we thought, you know, why not try that? Why not just say, um, let's rent a place because it was still supposed to be small. And this is where I get myself in trouble. Uh, it was supposed to be like maybe 50 people and it would still be invite only, but we would just rent out a place somewhere and everybody would just chip in, pay off how much that costs. And it wouldn't have to be in my basement as Kale likes to say, kind of creepy inviting people to your basement over the internet. Um, so why not take out the creep factor, rent out a small place and, and have a weekend of gaming and as we talked about it, it just kind of kept getting a little bigger and a little bigger. And, and, you know, we're very fortunate with our podcast that we've we've had to do or we've had the opportunity to do interviews with some amazing people, uh, industry designers and authors. And and we just started like, hey, you know, we're kind of friendly with those people. Maybe they'll come. And so our guest list started to grow and grow. And, and now it's become a Catacon 2015 into the wilds. Uh, as we've rented out the Houston Woods Lodge, which is in the Houston Woods National Park. And uh, I, right now, I think uh, we're going to cap out at 120 badges, but we're going to have close to 30 guests. Uh, so we're going to have about 150 people playing games for the whole weekend. That, that's also very, that's really, really cool, that that kind of development of it. Now, how does this compare, um, you know, people might be thinking right now that, you know, they want to jump on and, and go to this thing. How does this compare to other conventions that uh, people at home may have been to? I mean, it's a, probably a little smaller than some others they've been to, but um, is are there panels? Is it really just focused on gaming specifically? Uh, I'll, you know, let, just because if I don't let Caleb go, he'll never go because I never shut up. So Caleb, you want to take that one? <laughs> yes, I would love the opportunity. Uh, if, if anyone does not pick up on some of these little jokes here, over on our podcast, the RPG Academy, uh, it is very well established that Michael rambles and rambles and rambles, and I sometimes squeeze in a couple words here and there. Um, Paul, to answer your question, we are very small right now uh, because this thing has evolved very quickly and has threatened many times to exist out of our control, we have tried to focus it and rein it in on what we do best and what we know how to do best. And that's gaming. That's playing games. So a catacon is truly an extension of a bunch of friends hanging out for the weekend and playing games, except that now our bunch is about 150 people. So, yes, it will be focused on role-playing games and board games and card games and just hanging out. Uh, we do want to do panels. We would love to do some interviews and presentations and a lot of Q&A. But right now, we just don't have the room. We don't have the space. We got really lucky with what uh, the Houston Woods Lodge has given us. But we have a lot of gaming to squeeze in for this weekend coming up. And at this point in time, 
we just don't have the capability to do things like panels and presentations. But believe me, we want to do it. And a lot of our guests and network members are chomping at the bit to get it done. So we are going to focus on gaming. It really is going to be a solid weekend of playing games and hanging out. But we are going to squeeze in some other cool events. Um, we are going to watch a couple movies. We uh, have had a great experience with the director and producer of a wonderful gaming-themed movie called Of Dice and Men. We spoke with them on our show uh, we reviewed the movie a little bit, and they have graciously allowed us to screen the movie at a catacon. Uh, in the past on our show, we have also done uh, a movie night where we have watched a typically horrible gaming-themed or fantasy-themed fantasy movie and then ripped it to shreds. So that is going to happen as well, which will be really entertaining. Um we're also going to squeeze in some cool games with some of our special guests and celebrities. Uh, we've all talked about Dread here within the past hour, and there is going to be a midnight game of Dread, weather permitting, outside around a bonfire, uh, supplemented with some wonderfully creepy music and sound effects from our good friends over at battle bards and this is going to be a very entertaining presentation sounds pretty entertaining to me uh, when you mentioned movies i was i was going to make a joke about maybe knights of the dinner table a showing of those but that might be for a different kickstarter <laughs> podcast um they won't be done by then anyway now, it's on Kickstarter now. What we're doing is – what you guys are doing is you're raising funds for the actual convention space and, and for all the, the supplementary materials at this point. Um, and it should be noted that you guys funded pretty damn quickly. Um, what was it? Day two? You guys uh, passed the, the line? Yeah, and yeah. No, no one is more surprised than us. I mean, we're, we're both <laughs> literally giddy over that, but neither one of us in a million years would have said, oh, we'll, we'll fund in a day and a half. Like, it, that wasn't even in our radar. It was about 25 hours, and, and we had full funding for the convention. Yes, we did not think that was going to happen. Um, so... I have said this many, many times in our updates and on our social media, but we are humbled and grateful beyond words for or what our sponsors and friends and guests have given us so far. Really, truly, we are so thankful that people have supported us and are believing in us and are partnering with us to make a catacon happen. Most of the the, the pledge levels are obviously for going to the convention for, you know, for, for badges um, and for you know, badges for running games, but for, you know, obviously not everyone can get to Ohio um, for people who cannot actually attend. What reasons can you give those folks to, uh, to hop onto the Kickstarter page and pledge? What, what, what do you have to offer for people who can't get there? Uh, well, a couple of the things that we're doing, um, we are offering sponsorships at uh, basically like an individual level as well as like a corporate level. So if you are another podcast or a website or a web series or just like a game store, 
uh, that would like to do some promotion of your business or whatever, uh, we're going to offer space for that on our program guide that we're putting together. We also have what, what we're calling table toppers. Uh, so every table will have a, a little stand on it that will have a like a card and on one side will be a table number, and that's how we're going to organize the game. So you'll know it, you know, at one o'clock, you need to be at table seven. Uh, so it'll have a number on it. On the back side, there's going to be space for your logo, your website, your handle, or, or just whatever you would want us to put on there. Uh, so we are offering a little bit of advertising space to a very targeted audience. These are people that are big into games. Uh, they're willing to travel for them, and they're willing to spend a little bit of money. We also have partnered with some of our friends uh, in the podcasting world as well. Some of the people we we run a podcast network, uh, which is actually it's a gaming network. It's not just podcast, but there's sites that are involved with us uh, that we've kind of have vetted that they have sort of the same outlook towards gaming that we do, um, including the RPG Gamer Dad podcast, the Sharkbone podcast, uh, as well as some bloggers and uh, gamersplaying.com, which is a play by post site. And, uh, we're offering some virtual games. So there's a limited number of these, but if you want to play a game with some of these people that run their own podcasts who are also very experienced GMs, there's like virtual tickets uh, that you can play in a one-shot game with uh, other fans as well as these people running the games. And then hopefully there are people that just want to see us succeed. And I know I, I feels weird saying that because we're already there. We're, we've already hit our minimum. Uh, but one of the things that Caleb and I did we tried very hard to make sure that that number was as reasonable as possible. Because, again, we did not expect the outpouring of support that we got. We cannot express how grateful we are by that. But there are things that we really wanted to do that in our mind probably should have been considered in that base price. But we were going to be very skimpy and just find a way to make it happen because we really, really, really wanted a Catacon to succeed. So we still have some stretch goals that we want to get to. So, you know, I I can't set it up. Even like two bucks. Go on there, two bucks. You get to, you know, comment. You get to see the updates. You get to see what's going on and as it progresses and hopefully be part of something really cool. It doesn't cost you much, but we we really want to get to some some levels so that we can do some of the things that we've always wanted to do with this. So uh, hopefully if you can't make it, because that would be the number one thing. We want people to come hang out with us. Uh, But even if you can't, you can still play in some games. Uh, or just be a part of this thing that this this what hopefully will be the first year in many many years of a catacomb to come. Now this is um a good time to if you're listening at home and you're thinking about you're you're making your own Kickstarter, um you know trying to glean some information. This is a really good one that was just mentioned here. Um, you want to find the lowest number. You want to find the very, the bottom of the basement number, especially if it's your first Kickstarter. You want to find just as low as you can go, possibly go, and be there for your goal. If you hit the rest, that's awesome. Um, but starting with that just really basement number is crucial because it just, you know, increases your chances of funding, obviously. And if you're lucky and you've got a podcast and uh, lots of fans and people want to come out and support you, then you fund on day two and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath for that, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't don't count on that. Yeah, you're probably, uh, not, you're, you're probably not as popular. Well, so. I, I don't know. I'm not saying saying that, but just like we had no idea. Like I can't tell you, we had no idea. Uh, but to, to that basement number, like you talked about, what our minimum goal was four thousand dollars. 
And that still seems like a lot to me. But when we did the math and we broke it down and we had, a, you know, we have our, our budget, that's basically the minimum we needed to not lose any money, not going in the hole to provide, uh, you know, the, the space that the, we rented from the con. Uh, it's not really local to Caleb. Caleb and I don't live in the same place. Again, our relationship on the podcast sort of happened uh, virtually. So he's going to be coming down with his wife. I'm going to be driving up there. So we basically had to get a hotel room at the lodge for ourselves. So we're paying for the for the room that we will be staying in. Uh, we, we've mentioned a couple of times we do have some special guests that are coming in. And that's one thing I do want to touch on that for the size of our convention, you know, 120 badges, we have some crazy cool guests that are going to come and spend time with us. And that's what I think is one of the selling points is that we're going to have people that, you know, you probably would normally see it like a Gen Con that has, you know, 60,000 people. We're going to have 120. So the chances of you spending time with these people is much, much greater than at some of these other conventions. But, it, you know, part of the way that we got them to come, one, we asked them, two, we said, hey, we'll cover your room. You know, you won't have to spend any money at the lodge. So we're paying for some of the rooms of our guests. We, uh, we're paying for printing of all the badges. We're paying for lanyards for all the badges. So all that money got tied up one way or the other in just making sure that this can happen. And then the stretch goals are the things that, again, we want to be able to do, uh, but we could get by without them if we had to. So if you're listening out there at home and you're on the fence and you're thinking, maybe I want to, maybe I don't, you know, just think about if you go to this thing, there's like hardly anybody there because it's such an exclusive event. So your chances of, you know, being at the, the breakfast buffet next to somebody really awesome are pretty high. I don't know if there's a breakfast buffet, but I'm assuming. There is a restaurant in the lodge. I'm sure they have a breakfast of some sort. Let's see. There you go. I, I, can act, with I, can actu- I can actually say for certain that there is a breakfast buffet. However, we have rented out the room where the breakfast buffet happens. So either there's going to be another room for breakfast buffet, or you're just going to have to go but get some pancakes off the menu. Uh, I feel but- like – you need to add a breakfast buffet into the stretch goals now. Like you guys <laughs> providing a breakfast buffet. I feel like a lot of people are now let down. I, I do make a mean pancake. There you go. That's all you need. Is there anything else as we're, we're coming near to the end of, uh, end of the hour here? Um, time does fly even when your internet disconnects. Um, is there anything that, uh, that you guys want to say or, or want to, to cover that we have not yet covered? Uh, so, I should let Caleb go here because I've I've been covering most of it, but his job is to sum up, so he has to go last. So I'll go next to last, and then he can sum up and capture everything that I missed. Uh, but as I, I talked about, we do have some special guests coming. Um, very, very fortunate and grateful that they agreed to spend some time with us as well. So I want to just kind of go through them quickly. Um, if you are into role-playing games and design, you probably have heard of many of these, but uh, Rich Baker will be there. A uh, longtime author, uh, he worked for TSR when it was still TSR. Uh, a lot of the Forgotten Realms setting, he had a hand in it. Uh, he recently formed his own game company with uh, David Noonan and Stephen Schubert. Uh, all both are all three of them are from you know RPG design. Uh, they're not coming, but Rich is. Uh, he's he was also the lead writer on the recent Princes of the Apocalypse module for Fifth Edition, and that's one of the things he's going to be doing. He's going to be running that adventure. Uh, for us in D&D 5e, and he's also working on a board game that uh, will be kickstarted soon, and he will be demoing that. Uh, we also have Rob Schwab coming. Uh, 
pick a really good RPG book off your shelf. There's a good chance his name's in it. Uh, he's been on multiple versions of D&D. He wrote the Song of Ice and Fire RPG. Uh, he had a hand in the Warhammer 40K game. He recently formed his own company as well and successfully kickstarted a game called Shadow of the Demon Lord, uh, which is a very awesome game. We, we tried it on our podcast. You can actually listen to the actual play of that game. And he's coming. He's going to be running uh, a bunch of sessions of, of his own game. So you're going to get to play the game with the creator of the game. Like I just, I think that's awesome. Uh, if you're into legend of the five rings, uh, we have both John wick and Sean Carmen, who both uh, are, have a heavy hand in those games as well as many others. They're going to be there. We haven't worked out exactly what they're doing yet, but I'm pretty sure L five R will have something to do with it. Um, I know John wick has recently released a new game that I think he probably will want to run. And Sean Carmen recently kickstarted a new IP called Sh- Thunderscape, uh, which is for Pathfinder and Savage World. So I think that will probably be what he's doing. Uh, and then if you're into podcasts, in addition to Caleb and I, uh, we also have James D'Amato and Kat Cool from the very popular One Shot and Campaign podcast. Uh, we have DM Mitch and DM Chris from the awesome Dungeon Masters Block podcast. And then we have some guys from the Nerds Domain podcast network, um, particularly Matt, who is, I think, like the executive producer of that podcast network. They're going to be coming as well. So, you know, for some people, those names mean nothing. And to other people, those names mean everything. Uh, all the information is on the Kickstarter as well as our website. So please check it out. Uh, again, 120 people, all those guests you're going to have a chance to interact with them. If, if that's your thing, you'll have no better chance to sit down and play a game with Rob or Rich or John or Sean uh, or Kat or James or any of the others than at our convention. All right, Caleb, make that make sense. Oh, so much weight on my shoulders, so much work to do. Here's the bottom line. A catacon is a weekend dedicated to and focused on playing games with your friends. It will be an opportunity to play new games. It'll be an opportunity to experience insight and share knowledge with gamers of all levels from extreme amateurs to amazingly talented professionals. We're going to be at a really cool lodge on a really cool park. It's a great atmosphere. We've been to the building. It is a great place to hang out and enjoy a weekend. If you are at all interested in gaming, board games, card games, role-playing games, if you want to try something new, if you want to promote yourself and share your talent and your skill, if you want to hang out with people that have been doing this for years and years and years and just talk about stuff. A catacon is probably the only place and the best place for this to happen. So there you have it, folks. If you're listening to home and you have any interest at all in role-playing games, get yourself over to the catacon Kickstarter page and book yourself a ticket, because considering this thing is already funded, I I have a feeling that the badges are not going to be around for too much longer. Um, so get your ass over there and make sure that you get there, because uh, this sounds incredibly cool. 
Now, just to wrap up, um, if people want to reach out and uh, and communicate with you, besides the Kickstarter page, of course, and that'll be in the show notes, uh, where else uh, on the intertubes can people reach out and touch you? Uh, our uh, our website is therpgacademy.com. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, which is slash the RPG Academy. We have a separate Facebook page just for a catacon, which is slash the catacon. Cause apparently there's like a Dutch engineering school called a catacon. Uh, so we had to go with the catacon. And then for me personally, Twitter, I'm on there more than I should. Uh, surprisingly, my handle is at the RPG Academy. Uh, we also have a Twitter feed specifically for a catacon which is uh, at Acaticon 2015. Wait, did I say that right? It, there's no 2015. It's just Acaticon. Oh, we, we got just Acaticon for that one. My, mm. my apologies. Um, so yeah, we have another Twitter feed just for the convention, which is at Acaticon. And I am on there a whole hell of a lot at the Caleb G. So there you have it, folks. Reach out, touch these people. Go to the Kickstarter page, pledge, get a badge, because this is a thing that you want to go to. I, I know you do. I know. Just go. Just go. Um, thank you very much, Caleb, and thank you very much, Michael. Uh, we really appreciate you being on the show tonight. Thank you, Paul. I had a, had a great chat. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. This was a great conversation, Paul. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks very much, and have a great night. Thank you for checking out United Geeks Network Family Member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find Geeky Voyage, a geek and pop culture blog that explores a variety of fandoms and many pop culture favorites from film, television, music, and various other topics with liberal doses of humor, quirky musings, and heavy fangirling thrown in. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com.